Well, Drancher, this is officially a show about nothing because we've got no games to talk about since the last time we did this. The Canucks, they That's haven't been shut back down. Back to our right? roots. Back to yeah, our roots, right. Farhan. It's, it's like the bubble all over again, except, yeah. there were, except there were games with swearing and everything. But listen, <laughs> uh, we, we know the Canucks have now been up to four games uh, canceled. They had the two on the weekend uh, that were both games that were scheduled to be played here. I know the much-anticipated game against the Leafs. That got shut down. And then after that, two more games that involved cross-border travel on Tuesday and Thursday uh, have been and will be shut down here. But the Canucks themselves are not shut down. They're just postponed, as Bruce Boudreaux likes to say. They got back on the ice today for practice, which when you look at what's happening with the Leafs and with the Habs and with other teams around the league, that's a pretty good thing. I mean, it's a fantastic thing that there's no further spread. It's a fantastic thing that the majority of Canucks players... Um, in protocol are, to my understanding, asymptomatic or, like Luke Shen, have had mild flu-like symptoms. Uh, Luke Shen was able to test out, uh, which is great news, and there's no further spread, and the Canucks are now able to practice. And look, the, the, there's an idea that it's like a positive thing for this team to have like a mini camp and learn Bruce Boudreaux's sim- systems and on and on. I almost said symptoms there, which is how you know that it's a COVID cast, right? Um, but the fact is, is that you never would take getting a week of practice in over continuing to play when everything is rolling for you, right? When like everyone is wired in and dialed in and the vibes are oh so good the way they have been around the Canucks prior to this pause, right? I mean, this team would have rather kept playing, make no mistake about it, but Look, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed by Rutherford's straightforward communication style. I think we've got a glimpse into what he's like as a, a wartime consigliere, and it works, and it works well, and he's incredibly frank and credible. Um, you know, I think we've got a sense of the players and, and their ability to navigate this virus and understand what's too risky and what's safe. I think the way that they've stepped up and helped guide club-level decision-making on, you know, an optional skate on Friday that was suddenly cancelled, clearly with input from players. A morning skate on Tuesday that was clearly cancelled at the behest of players. Bruce Boudreaux making sure with Bo Horvat that they're comfortable practicing today. I mean, all of that is great stuff. Like, that is functional, healthy, collaborative. I love to see it. And, And I'm really impressed, and I continue to be impressed by the sophisticated, responsible adult that Bo Horvat is, right? Both as a spokesperson and what we're getting in terms of glimpses into his role behind the scenes, uh, assessing player risk from a COVID perspective. Like, it's wildly impressive for him. Well, and it just shows you how much of an impact what this club went through a year ago is still with them, right? And, you know, and I talked about it being a scar, but sometimes scars can be worn well. And in this situation... They've they've taken a real you know pragmatic approach to it. They've taken an aggressive approach to it. That doesn't mean they've necessarily taken a conservative approach to it. And even um, uh, Bruce Boudreau said today that uh, you know you look at guys, um, they you know they were probably even afraid at one point, right? Uh, because the, there has there's got to be an element of every player that says here we go again, right? But fortunately, you know they've they've kind of dealt with it in the steps that you've outlined, going back to that first practice or that first morning skate when they said, no, we're not going to do this and getting permission or the blessing of the captain to get back on the ice tomorrow. And for them to, and for players to just say, no, we're not ready to shut down. We've had two positive, two days of, of good results. I, you know, I always worry now, but when I say positive, I mean to say something well, but it could mean a positive test. That's how you're taking it. Right. So, um, you know, just in terms of positive news, uh, no positive cases, 
and saying, okay, yeah, let's get back out there. So it was it was a good thing for them to to take all of those steps. So they all felt good about where they were at. Yeah. And I mean, Bruce Boudreaux felt that practice was sloppy. Uh, you know, he'll he'll try and, you know, seize victory from the jaws of defeat. He called himself a pandemic noob, which I thought was interesting because, of course, he was relieved of his duties like three weeks before the shutdown, right? Between April and March or, yeah, between March and April of 2020, right? Like three weeks before the shutdown, then he didn't navigate the pause. He never entered a bubble. He didn't work last season, right? So he he sort of addressed like, this is kind of new for me. And now it's a different type of test for him, right? It's like, how do you make the most of this time while also behaving safely? And you can tell even just watching practice that things are different. Like any Canucks player you see in the tunnel is wearing a mask. They're all masked back there. Um, you know, they're they're coming out of different locker rooms. So clearly they're spacing out and using the maximum number of uh, spaces. Like I noticed both goaltenders came out of different tunnels and doesn't that make sense keep the goalies a little separate so that in the event one goes down you have the other like you can just tell that the life behind the scenes is so radically altered from where it was 10 days ago or certainly a week ago and you know that just reflects where we're at and reflects the challenges of this season and it's going to be fascinating especially because after and you know i I mean we can get into some year-end retrospectives next week but it's like this year has been unmitigated darkness for this franchise until until like the last three weeks. And all of a sudden this team was flying high and, and had all this momentum, like the big mo on their side. And now like we don't really know when they'll play again. And and it, I mean, that that is a huge challenge for a coach who's less than a month into his tenure. Yeah. And, and so much of it is out of his control. And that's the difficult part for any and all coaches. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he wants to have a short term direction. Boudreaux has said we're planning to play on the 27th. Until we're told we're not playing, we're playing, right? And so all of our practices and systems implementation and all of that is being geared with the 27th in mind. And that message clearly resonated with Bo Horvat because when he talked after the skate today, he talked about the 27th as well. And, and that's, that's pretty clear that that's what they're thinking, right? Uh, in terms of where the club is at right now, so Luke Shen, as you mentioned, tested out. He did confirm he had the Omicron uh, variant. And we believe that that's obviously quite prevalent in these cases right now, given all these players are vaccinated. Uh, the Canucks players that are still in the protocol, Brad Hunt, Tucker Pullman, Yuho Lamico, Tyler Myers, and of course, assistant coach Jason King. Am I missing anybody? Did you say Mott? Tyler Mott. Oh, Tyler Mott as well. Yeah, I missed that. Um, so Mott, so five players still in the protocol along with assistant coach Jason King. And you know, last year you didn't have the you didn't have the option to test out. Like, if you were in, you were in, right? Like, yeah. you had a certain number of days. If you were close contact, you had it worse, right? And so now they're in a, in term, just in terms of number of days missed. And as you mentioned earlier, we're not dealing with a lot of significant symptoms. Uh, as far as Shen, yeah, he, you know, it was tiring for him to kind of get back in it after a, a week and change off here. But, uh, you know, something he went through, uh, got through it, and was was happy to go through it. And, uh, you know, so all of that and, and just the irony in his statement, which is so true, that they lived in Florida last year, he and his family. I where, love that. Where COVID doesn't exist, right? And he even said, you know, like everybody had it, right? Just when you look at the cases there and yet they were okay. And here there's such a high degree of vaccination rates and they got it, right? Which, But again, you're dealing with a much more contagious variant at this stage and, and they're all learning, right? So behind the scenes, the organization is going to be working feverishly. First of all, can we play? Because when you look at the schedule, you know, they've got games coming up against 
uh, against other um, you know American teams. You're going to have to deal with cross-border travel. Now, the reason it was important to everybody to pump the brakes until the 27th was because of Christmas, right? Like they don't want to be in a situation where they get stuck somewhere or that once they come back, they're forced to deal with a lot of restrictions and limitations because they crossed in the United States without any kind of exemption, right? So, right. Well, and so there's new there's new uh, ex- there's new quarantine protocols that look like they're coming into place Tuesday, right? Did well, I they're not that new. Right? They're just they're just a rollback, right? So now, theoretically, like if you're just a general person, you and I, you get to you get to come back. Well, not I, but the general people they get to they come back and they've got to um, they've got to sit for uh, you know you've got to be quarantined for Five. 14 days. But you can come back if your trip is less than 72 hours with a negative COVID test that was taken where you were, right? So it's been a rollback of restrictions. It's not back to the most difficult phase. So that's also going to determine what they're able to do because you could say that, you know, they're going back and forth for essential reasons, right? Like that is part of the current travel restrictions. Nothing to do with the NHL, right? But that is part of current travel restrictions. So you do get exemptions if you... You know, if that's part of the reason why you're going down. So that is potentially going to be available for them later on down the line. So on the 27th, they play Seattle in a home game, and then they've got back-to-back away games in California on the 29th and 30th. So between now and then, there's a lot of work happening behind the scenes between all the Canadian teams, the um, uh, PHAC, Public Health Agency of Canada, uh, along with local health authorities to try to find out how we can navigate this. If we go, are we bubbling? If we come back, what are we doing? You know, so all of that is uh, is in play, right? Well, so, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it's going to be, there are growing calls within the hockey world, too, for revisiting the protocol and, you know, to bring it in line with NHL, or sorry, NFL, NFLPA, the new te- targeted testing protocols that the NFL is going to. Which and I'm I struggling, think, which I'm struggling with. I am too. Hockey is so different, and and the two main reasons are that team to team, team to team transmission is so much more prevalent in in hockey because of the nature of the game, and the other thing being that <laughs> well, there's no, a border across. Why why the nature of the game other than the fact it's indoors? Well, it's the ice surface itself, Farhan. Aer- aerosols hang above the ice surface uh, about six and a half feet. Got it's it. the yeah, inversion enough, effect. Yeah. Right, like yeah, uh, no, that's like fair. Yeah, in, as opposed in, to basketball, NFL, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, but it, it, but it is legitimately different for hockey than for any other sport because of the ice, because of the surface uh, on which it's played. Like, you know, outdoors football, you're relatively spaced out. Like, well, except the guys in the <laughs> line air, of scrimmage. Like, you're not you're not spaced totally. out necessarily, but you're right. The ice is, but, a big, but even a then, even factor. then, it's a brief it's brief engagement. Fair, yeah. You know, I, I mean. I'm just saying, like, we found out about this when the team, when both leagues competed basically unvaxxed last year, team-to-team transmission was relatively rare in the NFL and yep. was was f- frequent or at least common in the NHL. Yeah, so no, that's fair. There's a, I mean, for me, that's the big distinction. And then also, of course, there's the fact that the NFL just needs sign-off from one health authority in one federal jurisdiction. Uh, the NHL requires it in multiple yeah, I mean and the NFL ultimately difference. the NFL is ultimately making its own rules. Um right. you know, you, yeah, they, they need sign off from state to state, but they're they're going to get it. Um yeah, so like I, I'm curious to see what happens because there, there's gonna be that, right? That if you come back, uh, you know, your your opponents are dealing with different circumstances and things like that, right? So if you travel, 
Uh, you know, what's that going to look like, right? So so we'll see where it goes. My sense of it is that, um, again, the climate is different than what it was. Uh, I think how you deal with, and this is pure speculation, but how you deal with the crowds and things like that that you can control versus the players, uh, I think is going to be handled a little bit differently by health authorities uh, yeah. as they as they come to this. So I think people who think that this is just going to get shut down I'm not sure it's going to be that simple. I, I think you're going to try to get, uh, you, you know, you're going to try to get health agencies find a way to work with these teams. So, uh, so we'll see where it goes. I mean, it, you know, like I'm curious to see if they all of a sudden revert, revert back and change the schedule midstream and have a Canadian division and do all of that. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I certainly thought there was an opportunity and a window here for them to attempt to play some of the Canadian only games, right? Like, you know, could the Leafs have come back? Could the Oilers have come in here and played because they had a game canceled on the same day the Canucks had a game canceled? Could they have looked at tweaking it just to provide additional scheduling flexibility later, right? Like just eliminate mm-hmm. one or two games from later in the schedule so that you've just got a bit of breathing room to potentially move a game into that slot um, with Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary and Montreal, Edmonton, and Ottawa. Sorry, Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa. Uh, so, you know, I'm surprised they didn't go that way, but certainly those logistics are challenging and sometimes it just becomes easier to shut it down. Totally. Well, and yeah, and it's going to evolve rapidly here as we go, right? I mean, no question about that. We're going to see, like the NHL is hour to hour right now, right? Yeah, no, no question. And, and so I think they're going to try and play as many games as they can with teams where they're still functioning. But I mean, what, a third of the leagues basically shut down through Christmas already. But um, do you see a scenario where the the Olympics happen at all? Like, I mean, it's, oh, such, no, an e- no, it's no. such an easy out. I mean, I think just- that's been, I think that's been functionally off the table for weeks to be totally honest with you. I just really think that, that long. Okay. I mean, I think so. I think, I think as a realistic possibility, I thought it was always going to be a stretch once I started talking to players who were hearing about, like, one thing that people forget about is that when the players returned to Canada for the bubble, right, before the bubble, so July 2020, um, they they lived in a working quarantine, the cohort quarantine, right, that the Canadian government allowed, right? And it was the same when they returned ahead of the 2021 season. So at least they could, I mean, it sucked. No one wants to quarantine ever. But it especially, it at least allowed guys to like work out and like get onto the ice sheet and skate and stay fit. The full metal jacket potential five week quarantine or three week quarantine that the, uh, you know, under the auspices and governance of the Chinese government in the event that anyone tests positive in Beijing. I mean, that's full metal jacket quarantine. That is the, the moment guys started to hear about that. I think eyes widened pretty significantly. And then the NHL crossed the barrier where Olympic participation was like triggered and in doubt months ago, like almost right away when the season began, there were sufficient cancellations to potentially scupper the Olympics. Now, I still think that there's enough desire to go in an ideal world that it's remained a discussion point, but I just, I I think it's been unrealistic for a while. Like, I think it's been trending that way for a while. And at this point, it just feels like a matter of time before it's official. Yeah, and no, I would agree. And, and it just becomes such an easy thing to then add these games that have been lost into that time period, right? It, yeah. just, it just makes far too much sense. Yeah, and, and you and talked about it. That's complicated. And people keep saying, like, the buildings are booked. The buildings, are, like, no arena is booked every night. <laughs> you know? No, like, it's not. They wish, you know? <laughs> like, come on. It's not like anyone has a solid three-week block of shows booked 
during the during March. Like that's not how this works. That's not how buildings work. There's still a bunch of available dates. It's complicated. Like you definitely wouldn't want to be the NHL schedule makers and trying to figure that out, but it's doable for sure. It's just going to be massively complicated. And and look, hour to hour by hour, we're hour to hour at this point. We're that this is a developing situation and one that will keep developing for a while. Yeah, I mean, and, and ultimately you talk about the work quarantine that could lend itself to continuing play even with American teams, right? Because ultimately, if that's what the player is being asked to do when they're not at their own rink, you know, whatever you potentially catch gets limited or contained, right? So, um, you know, that again, the, the climate around it, even with this new variant, as aggressive it is, as it is with vaccinations still is different. But as totally. far as the, as far as the NFL comparable um, targeted testing, that basically, if you're asymptomatic, uh, you're able to, you know, test out quite quickly. And, like, you know, so much of it is, look, you know me, I'm a football guy, and just generally, I want to find a way for sport to continue, right? Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, because ultimately, people are vaccinated. Vaccination allows for choice, right, in, in my opinion. Um, that said, the the idea that you can just go to somebody and say if you got symptoms or not, and that affects how they're treated is a little bizarre to me, isn't it? I mean, you talk about athletes. Think about hockey. Like, yeah, think about what happened. Everything. Think about it's at just the end of a Stanley move. Cup. At the end of a Stanley Cup, right? I mean, there are no tougher players than NHL players. At the end of a Stanley Cup, it's we're not talking about an injury list. We're talking about a surgery list. Right. So everybody's going to say, yeah, I'm good. Right? If that changes my reality and how soon I can play, they're all going to say, yeah, I'm good. Aren't yeah. they? Uh, yeah. 100%. So, no, and I mean, think about how Canucks players, how cautious Canucks players themselves have been, too, in navigating this over the course of the past week, right? Like, we've seen real caution. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, w- the fact is, is that the, the NFL step and the targeted testing protocols have been now given voice publicly by Hellebuck, Ryan O'Reilly, Steve Eiserman, Right. Um, Jim Rutherford was asked about it, indicated that he didn't, you know, know enough to have an opinion about it necessarily, but that he'd be comfortable with it if all sides agreed and experts signed off on it. And so, you know, these are prominent hockey people, right? So it has to be discussed because it's being discussed, but does it work for a sport where transmission rates are this high once you're in an unmasked athletic environment on an ice surface? Um, you know, and, and. Even if even if it does work for this sport, considering all of that, does it does it work for some of the governing authorities overseeing things, and in particular the Canadian government? Um, you know, it's it's a whole can of worms that the NHL is going to have to navigate once again. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see where it goes. And again, even though there's more tolerance, um, you know, there there certainly is a certain amount of pressure to do things differently as well. So. Uh, you know, we'll continue to talk about it. We're going to take a quick break and, and we'll come back and talk, uh, you know, COVID, what we saw today and where they're at. And I also want to get into the whole skate jersey debate with you when we come back. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Drancher Bruce Boudreaux was happy to get back on the ice with these guys, and it's been a compressed schedule for him when he took over, and he really hasn't been able to dive into practice and go through his his systems, right? I mean, there's been a little bit here and there, but for the most part, he spent this time trying to evaluate guys and seeing who plays well with who and trying to make minor changes. Today was a skate. He talked about after that. This was more about just a skate, getting these guys back on the ice, and he gave him a bit of a pass uh, because, you know, it looks sluggish, as we said earlier. But starting tomorrow, there's going to be some systems implementation here. They want to view this as a mini camp. They want to try to get some actual work done here. What changes are you expecting? Well, I mean, I think we've seen a little bit. We've seen a little bit uh, in terms of changes, in terms of augmentation from from what the Canucks have done. Um, you know, the forecheck is still like a one-two-two. It's just slightly more aggressive in terms of where exactly they're targeting those turnovers, right? Like in, they're they're hunting uh, over two hundred feet as opposed to one hundred and sixty feet. Like it's a it's a small tweak. Uh, in the neutral zone on breakouts, they're they're doing more punt and hunt. They're doing more outnumber defenders in the offensive end and, and break out not necessarily cleanly, but with speed, um, trying to get trying to force turnovers even on on pucks that are flipped out. Um, obviously, we know the penalty kill is where the biggest differences have happened, but even that, even there, the changes are mostly in terms of um, the forecheck, right? Not not in terms of like in terms of down ice pressure, not in terms of what the Canucks are actually trying to do once the their opponents are set up in zone. So, you know, we, we have seen some tweaks, but clearly the Canucks are hoping to do more, get more, get more of the system installed in, in with these players. And, you know, I, again, I'm not buying that this is better than continuing to play when, when you've got the big Mo on your side, when you've got the momentum, but sure. You know, I, I mean, you do have to find a way to, to see some positives and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Although I should mention Farhan, like, you know, I'm, I, this very rarely happens, but, you know, with the way the schedule was so compressed, I'm, I'm flying out to Ontario tomorrow. And because of my, because of my previously set schedule, I expected to miss two games and zero practices. But now if the Canucks are doing this like mini camp type practice, that's the type of thing I'd want to be there for every day. <laughs> um, but you know, that's Har- a Har- will world, be there. Right? He can send you all the information. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, he can, but also... You know, it's hard. It's like, different. It, it is different when you see it yourself. And, you know, I, I, I have I take so much pride in my ability to watch practice and, and glean intel from it, you know. So at the end of the day, it's a it's a tough break for your boy, but uh, an interesting one for the Canucks. And it'll be curious. I'll, like, I'll be curious to see how much they get out of it, um, you know, p- perhaps a lot. And, and I think also it's an advantage to just be able to stay fresh when other teams are shuttered here. Like by the time the Canucks do play, say it's on the 27th, say it's in the new year, if they're able to skate throughout the holiday season and other teams aren't, then I'd expect you see a lot of goals, like a lot of Canucks goals, like in the third period, late in periods. Like I think that stamina and continued stamina could be a huge edge for this team in the event that they're able to stay open when a third of the league is absolutely shut down. Yeah, Bo Horvat talked about it and said that, yeah, there is some disappointment about not continuing to roll here, but that there was some good from it, along with getting players back healthy. You know, uh, you, you 
you get a lot more dialed in with what you're trying to do. And look, the first six games were a bump, right? Like there was, obviously there was a, there was a change in play, but we expected an emotional reaction uh, and, and a positive emotional reaction. I mean, that's standard. Once, once they come back, this will no longer be a bump at that point because the emotion from the coaching change, the management change, all of that will have subsided. Systems will have been implemented. And what we will see at that point is what we can expect to see going forward. You know, because right now we all expected them to come down to earth a little bit, right? Like that's not an insult to anyone. That's just the way these things work. We expected there to be some coming down to earth, but once we get out of that break, it won't be like that. And when you look at how the team came out of their 24 day break a year ago or 10 months ago, completely different circumstances now because they're going to be coming out healthy, right? I mean, when we talked about the symptoms that players were dealing with when they went through this the last time and the length of break, it's significantly different. They were coming back, barely hanging on. Yeah, they had an emotional reaction against the Leafs for a couple games, but we knew that was going to end and the nature of the schedule was just borderline unfair. Right, So it's not going to be like that this year. So we can see a regular hockey team and what it's going to look like. Well, and let's not forget, too, like one thing to keep tracking is, I mean, who knows when the Canucks play again, but Travis Hamanick on LTI, right, with a two to three week injury has now, you know, I mean, he was placed on LTI a week ago and should have missed four games now, right? He needs to miss 10, right? He should have missed... um like tonight they would have played again. They would have played the Sharks tonight, right? Or no, sorry, tomorrow. And then they would have played the Ducks and that would so that would be four four games. He'd be at six games for LTI, but he's stuck at two. He's not tolling games while they're canceled, which means that, you know, his possible return date is now pushed out. Like already it's pushed out a week before he'd be eligible to return based on the idea that they play on the 27th, like that's the next scheduled game that's not postponed, you know, he'd, he'd be looking at, at this point, like a mid-January return for eligibility, assuming no further cancellations. And, I mean, one would expect that's not a safe bet. Like, are you betting on the Canucks playing their full schedule without further postponement at this point? I'm not. So, no, but I mean, like, why wouldn't the league make accommodations for that, right? Like, I mean, this is uncharted why, territory why versus their usual. Why would they? No, they're not going to make accommodations for anybody. Yeah, I guess so. I, like, why, I, why would I, they? It's LTI. It's legal. It's legal cap circumvention. Like, no, the league doesn't make accommodations for this. Yeah, if you're going to miss a number of games, you've got to miss a number of games. Yeah, no, yeah. That, you're right. I mean, it's, it's little... just, it's it's just a really assuming interesting... the Canucks, assuming it's critical for the Canucks to save the cap space. Which, I, why wouldn't you want to do that at this stage? Well, they have to. They, they, they didn't have the flexibility to call up anybody. Like, Philip Giuseppe and, you know, Madison Bowie and Ashton Sautner came up briefly. Like, all of that couldn't have happened. Without if the LTI. Had, without yeah. the LTI space that Hamannick's deal created. So, I'm just saying, like, this is a really complicated thing for the Canucks to manage. And it's only going to get more complicated which is why it's going to be interesting to see if Rutherford gets more help, right? If there are more <laughs> names joining the front office over the course of the next few weeks. Well, he gets more time to figure that out without having to have them miss games. So I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's change gears quickly because uh, we threw this out on Twitter today and it looks like the Canucks are going to bring back the the um, the skate jersey, the black uniforms, the white uniforms. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know. Not, if they'll not, go- clubs not confirming anything. Just... just uh, 
an exciting announcement expected in the new year and Thatcher Demko breaking in gear today. Uh, yeah, the skate's coming back. So we threw that out on Twitter and, and the reaction was mixed, but there was clear reaction. So it's an emotional topic that matters to a lot of people. Now, look, I'm old, so I've lived through all the incarnations of it, right? So in the 80s or in the 70s, really, when the uniform was first used, the blue uniforms that they're currently wearing were, were used, by the end of it, people felt it was a really boring look, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it was tired. It was boring. Stick in the rink, whatever. This is lame. And then all of a sudden, these jerseys came out and they were wild. And you know, first, it, first, it was the yellow <laughs> jersey, right? With the V, which yep. people would say, well, yeah, turn it to the side. And there it's, it's an L and all this team does is lose. They, and there were psychologists involved in terms of yeah. the color scheme and all of why it was supposed to work for creating a level of excitement and engagement. And then, you know, then it got tweaked a little bit and they eliminated the yellow jerseys with the V and they added the skate logo. Well, people, the skate logo came in 82. It correct. just wasn't a primary mark. Correct. It was the V that was the primary mark. And then eventually the uniform changed. So instead of black and yellow uniforms, it was black and white uniforms with the logo as the primary mark. Yeah. Right. And then eventually when that got changed out, people were the, the, vibe in the marketplace was this is gross right like this is ugly it's embarrassing who thinks these uniforms look good yeah. at the time and the logo and, the logo was confusing sure like and people for, didn't understand that it was a skate the aggressive lines that people call a plate of spaghetti which were like designed to be aggressive by these like pseudo psychologists in the 80s yeah fast yeah i mean like you know, th- so, there was so also they- there was also a visual issue with it. There was like a visual inconsistency around the blade. Like there and and here's yeah, the is last it going thing. up. Is it going down? Like all of it, right. right? And here's the last thing: the logo doesn't shrink well. Have you ever seen the logo on a hat? Yes, you're right. Like it's too detailed to shrink, and that limits its application in terms of gear. Much like the Blackhawks logo, which for whatever, like you, you know what I mean? There's just a ton of detail to that. Yeah, yeah. Or the old uh, or the old Panthers leaping cat. It doesn't shrink well. Sorry, there's an old Panthers anything? An old Panther Panthers leaping cat before they move to the crest. You, you can't say old. Come on, the Panthers haven't been around long enough to say it's old. Um, in early 90s. That's yeah, 30 yeah. years ago, bud. Yeah, I guess I guess it has been a while. Hey, I have gotten old <laughs> fast. Think about it. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. Um, we are as far away from when the Panthers debuted the leaking leaping cat logo in the mid-90s. As we were from the mid '60s, the day that they unveiled the Leaping Cat logo. Wow. <laughs> yeah, bud, it's old. Wow, we're old. I'm old, but so so then they go to the Orca, right? With the, they go back to a blue uniform, and then they had the salmon as the alternate. And I don't think anybody would advocate going back to that because it was so corporate. It wasn't vibrant. It wasn't exciting. No. And you in know, fact, than, they should change. They should tweak the Orca. Uh, sure. Yeah. I, but um, like in terms of that color scheme and, and th- those concepts. When that finally changed back out to the blue and green, I think there was wide excitement for it. And now we go full circle and now everybody wants this retro. I know. So, so what do you, so for me, I love the uniforms now because what was boring in the late seventies to me is classic. Now I love the colors. See, I miss, I miss the Vancouver text, uh, over the, over the Jersey. Over yeah. The logo, I thought the, I, mean. I thought that differentiated the Canucks uniform. I thought it was wholly unique. No other team did that. I thought it looked great. I missed the text over the logo. Um, that would be the one change that I'd make to the current setup. Otherwise, I think it's as good as it's ever been. But now, how often do you think they'll use this? Because now this is going to become a regular jersey that won't be their primary jersey, but makes its way into the lineup. How often? Quarter. 
quarter of Canucks home games, maybe something like 10, 10 times a year. See, for me, you know what I wish? Honestly, I wish they would go back to whites at home. Ew. Or at least half the time. And I, and no. I say that because, and I'm not talking no. about the new unis. Here's why. But every time you watch a game, it's blue against white. Whereas if you have white jerseys, like the, the current Canuck, white and blue, the white jersey, then every time an opponent comes in, you get different colors. And just the look of the game feels different. You should wear your color on home ice. Like Habs fans deserve to see le, le rouge, bleu et blanc on home ice. Yeah, but can't you do it half the time? Can't you just say it on January 1st, we'll switch it? Well, because then teams have to bring two sets of jerseys. Yeah, but if we're... No, no, no. You didn't hear what I said now. I said on January 1st, we switch it. So now you're still going out to bring one, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm okay with that. It's it's half a season of white, half a season of blue, so you can at least see the other colors in the building. Yeah, but it's like like a huge process you have to go through to get the NHL to approve you wearing a white jersey at home. No, but that would have to be, I'm saying that would have to be a league-wide decision made at the start of any given year, right? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Now, I have no desire, though, to see the white flying skate jersey. No, me neither, right? Like, the blacks I can live with. The white sucked. The white sucked. So Um, I know Wyatt's not going to like us, but... Wyatt, Wyatt, I get, I get... There's a, I'm in a group chat with Wyatt and I get banned on occasion for saying that I hate the Flying Skate logo. I like the look of the black jersey, but I don't like the Flying Skate logo. I just think it's too busy, too complicated. People don't on first blush get what it is. Like it's just, it's something, I, for me, for me, the love of the Flying Skate logo is nostalgia run amok, but I love no the kidding. Canucks in the black, orange, and red look. Like I think the look is cool. And people are like, well, it's not Vancouver. And I'm like, no, it's Vancouver at night. That's what it looks like at night when you're looking at Vancouver. I love that part of it. Um, so, I mean, I'm a big fan of the color look. I just don't love the logo itself. So, yeah. anyway, it's all personal. All personal opinion yeah, as, as fans are listening, being like, someone vouch for the flying skate. But it does look like the flying skate's coming back. And Thatcher Demko doing an exact replica of Kirk McLean's 93-94 gear is so cool. Like that, that mask, awesome. I mean, I'm watching him through binoculars because I'm so far up, right? I can't like run down and get a photo uh, like Harmon Dial did, which was very bright of him. He's a he's a smart young lad. But the uh, but uh, but I'm just looking at it and I'm like, I'm like, that's McLean's mask. And I look up the mask and I'm like, literally everything about it is Kirk McLean's mask, with the exception that Demko's kept his signature zombie Johnny Canuck on the on the back plate. And what a cool thing to do. Like what a cool, like matching the, the all black on black pads, matching the retro blocker, the tan blocker. Like, wow, that is such a cool, smart, thoughtful touch from the Canucks goaltender. I loved it. Well, we're going to get to see more of it. And a lot of people will be excited. Ultimately, it's not a permanent change. So if you like it or you don't like it, you're still going to have your fix of whichever uniform you do like. But uh, the big thing is, let's uh, get these guys back on the ice sooner than later. The 27th, maybe. We'll see what that looks like. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. The government's going to wind up making that decision, probably more so than the league, even though the decision to postpone games was purely a league decision. Government's absolutely going to have to get involved if the game on the 27th is to happen. Uh, Meanwhile, we will do this again on Wednesday. We invite you for that show. We're going to do a mailbag. So please. We'll we'll record it on Wednesday, but it's going to be a Christmas Eve mailbag. 
Perfect. So get your questions in. Uh, we know we're going to get a lot of feedback and a lot of interest. Uh, we'll we'll answer the best questions. Drancher gets to pick the best since uh, since he's been doing this a little bit longer than I. But uh, we will have it for you. We want to make sure our listeners are heard because we value the VIPs more than anything as we head into this Christmas season. We do indeed. Thank you for sticking with us. Hopefully we have some hockey again to choose from and don't go back to playing a Farhan version of Name That Canuck. <laughs> no, let's not do that because I'm not good at that. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, we should let you know that neither, the Athletic neither was Jeff. Show, neither was no, Jeff. No, <laughs> we, we're going to have to do our salmon be- our payoff bet at some point during the holiday season when you get back to Toronto. Yeah, let's so do let's, that. Let's make a point of that. Meanwhile, the Athletic Hockey Show on Tuesday this week: Bobby Ryan, Jen Morosi, or sorry, John Morosi, who's covering the World Junior Championships for the NHL Network. They join. Craig Custance and Sean Gentilly. Meanwhile, the Athletic Hockey Show Wednesday. It's a roundtable edition with Rob Pizzo from CBC Sports, Sarah Sivian, and Jesse Granger from The Athletic. And they welcome the Athletic NHL editor and co-host of the Chris Johnson podcast, Julian McKenzie. Meanwhile, Steve Mayer, the NHL's EVP and Chief Content Officer, is Michael Russo's guest this week on Straight from the Source, ahead of the 2022 Winter Classic in Minnesota. Meanwhile, we'd like to thank all of you for listening to the VanCast. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review, and you can also subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from the entire network. And uh, we talked to you earlier again about uh, Max and Corey on the Athletic Hockey Show, their series. They present extended bonus content, so be sure to check that out ahead of the World Juniors. Start with a 30-day free trial and then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, Get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash thevancast. And hey, the next show, we probably got to dive into World Juniors a little bit too, even though there's not much Canuck content there. Yeah, okay, Farhan. Can't forget to promote the TSN Cup. <laughs> Ab- oh, you're not one of those. Come on, you are not one of those. No, the, athletic, I'm so excited. the Athletic dives into that too. Come on now. I'm, uh, dude, you know I'm just, just pulling your chain. Uh, yanking your chain. No, I love it. I'm I'm definitely in to discuss all the uh, Team Canada right wings that the Canucks. No, no, I, I I can't get that detailed on it. But uh, <laughs> you know, actually, let's let's wait until the new year. Let's like let's wait until the medal round before we dive into that. I, I'll right. meet you. I'll meet you halfway. Sounds good. All right. Happy holidays, my friend. Enjoy enjoy Wallace. Enjoy the family. Hey, I might have news for you on the Wallace front. I've been getting beaten down at home. Good. I might have to give in. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Let, let me help you find the perfect doodle for the, for your family. Dude, I, I am so not a dog person that when people post dog stuff, I refuse to like it. And really? You, I, you I'm, liked I'm, my family photo. You commented on it. Yeah, I know, but that's because I'm changing. So <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely help you find a dog. I'm very excited about this. Thanks, pal. We'll talk soon.